Welcome back to the program. Hour number three. Good to have you. Hopefully you're uh, enjoying the day. Good stuff. Uh, 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, please feel free. Go ahead and do so. And uh, and uh, this portion of the program, by the way, brought to you by our friends over at New Mail Medical, treating guys with ED all over the state, well beyond the borders. One phone number to call. Whether it's ED, whether it's uh, low T, if you're looking for energy, looking for a lose, lose a little bit of weight, getting into the new year, the new you, there you have it. That's uh, that's our good friends over there at New Mail Medical. New Mail Medical. Get a hold of them over there, and uh, maybe they can help you out. Like I said, new year, new you. Bring in uh, our buddy now, Brad Spielberger, uh, from Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Brad, joining us on the line. And, uh, Brad, first of all, we are uh, somewhat mourning the end of the football season for the Green Bay Packers, so please bear with us because things things are a little testy here in the state of Wisconsin and Packer Nation, but we do have others to talk about. And one of those things is fulfilling some of the needs for the Green Bay Packers if and when Aaron Rodgers should make the decision to come back. I want to, You put out the top 50 free agents that are going to be out on the market or at least appear to be out on the market. Give me a thought on wide receivers to fill as a veteran role for the Packers uh, and the growth of Christian Watson and obviously Romeo Dobbs and Samari Torrey. Is there going to be one or two wide receivers out there that could be attainable for the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, no doubt about it. Unfortunately, it's, it's not a great free agent class. I think you see now in today's NFL, if a team has a player they like at wide receiver, they're going to extend that guy before he even reaches free agency. But I think a guy like a Jacoby Myers, current New England Patriots player who plays about 50% of the slot, 50% outside. He's a willing run blocker. He's very, very sure-handed. Uh, actually, our highest contested catch rate player in the NFL over the last two years. So, you know, a good player, not a great player, but like you said, a decent value, a good veteran presence to bring in, have Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, you know, kind of operating on the outside, let him go to work in the slot, fill that Alan Lazard role to a degree. I think he'd be an interesting target for Green Bay. What do you think uh, a salary demand would be for somebody like Jacoby Myers? Yeah, so I would say probably like 12 to 15 million range. I know it's a bit of a wide range. I say that just because, it really is bleak, uh, you know, in free agency. Our second receiver on the board is, is Judas Smith-Schuster, who is a good player but has had injury concerns for the last couple of years now. Signed a one-year, $3.5 million base value deal this past year with a bunch of incentives. He did actually earn about $3 million of those incentives. So, you know, cashed in on, on that extra additional money. But it's just such a weak class that I think Myers is worth about, let's say, $12, 13000000 million. But, hey, we saw the Christian Kirk and other guys last year. If you have a bunch of bidders and everyone wants the guy, maybe he pushes in that $15 million per year range. But an undrafted guy, a guy who ran like a 4-6-8-40 at the Combine, which probably caused him to go undrafted, he's a good player, not a great player. And so I don't think it's going to get too out of control for his market. I know that uh, the possibility of losing Adrian Amos for the Green Bay Packers is relatively real unless there's some kind of a deal that's struck, and he's been a pretty good center fielder for this team. Uh, Kind of on a wish list, a guy like Jesse Bates uh, coming out of Cincinnati, it looks like he might be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, As your article says, they put a a franchise tag on him, but he's going to demand some good money coming out into free agency as well, isn't he? He sure will. And I would put the odds him of actually reaching free agents this time, you know, close to 100%. I really don't think the Bengals are going to franchise tag him again. They just, you know, honestly made him an insulting offer last year. 
after tagging him. It was pretty much the same offer they actually made him the prior offseason uh, and just didn't really bump that value up. So I think he'll get out of there. I think he'll be in probably the you know, kind of Marcus Williams last offseason. Got four or five years, $70 million for about $14 million per year. I'm sure he's going to try to push higher and copy some of these recent safeties getting into the 18 19 per year range. Um, but I think he'll come closer to maybe 15 16 which is certainly a pretty penny at safety. But he's a really good player, really scheme diverse, can do a lot of different things. A, a nasty run defender and a good center fielder, as you mentioned. You know, he's a good all-around player. He's not George Kittle, but Dalton Schultz coming out of Dallas. Uh, he was uh, kind of PO'd that he didn't get the contract extension he wanted. He's a pass catcher. He's a touchdown guy. He's a good red zone guy. This is a guy that I would say, if I'm going to be the Packers and Mercedes Lewis is on his way out, this is a guy that I would, this is another area that they definitely have to circle and say we have to upgrade. I think Dalton Schultz would be an upgrade. I totally agree. And, and I know they've been going after tight ends. You know, it's no secret their interest in Darren Waller, you know, over the past, you know, year plus at this point and, and trying to address that position, like you said, to get ready for the future without Mercedes Lewis, maybe without a Robert Tanyan or to play alongside Robert Tanyan. I think Schultz is the best fit. You know, people throw out guys like Igasicki. You're not going to see a Mike Gasicki in the Green Bay Packers offense. I mean, you just saw him in a similar offense and, and Miami barely played him. So, you know, Schultz is a good run blocker. Like you said, more kind of a zone beater, but he's a good red zone target. He's not going to be, you know, Travis Kelsey and, and separating his man coverage, but a really reliable player, a really consistent player. And frankly, kind of strikes me as, you know, a classic Green Bay Packer, just, just a, a steady guy. You know what you're going to get every week. And I think he'll go for 12, 13, maybe 14 million per year. Talking with Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus at PFF.com is where you can read a lot of this stuff and find the articles. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the matchups this coming weekend. Obviously, the big one that everybody's kind of circled is the fact that on uh, Monday night, you've got uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dallas was awful. I, I mean, I don't know how else to put it. They were just flat out terrible in that game the other day. And some will say, well, they were kind of conserving their energy for this upcoming game. But I, I, I don't know how to pick this game. I know Dallas comes in at two and a half point favorites, but and, and there's the whole thought that this could be Brady's last game and such. And it's Dallas Cowboys. So they have to put it on Monday night because of all the eyes and America's team and all that crap. But how do you how do you handicap this thing? Because it's too basically, you know, the Jekyll and Hyde of, of Dak Prescott, who's now throwing picks like they're Pez dispensers versus a bad Buccaneers team. How do you handicap this thing? Yeah, it, it is weird. You mentioned you know, Dallas. They kind of did play a lot of their starters, though, right? They probably want to make the game yeah. if they weren't trying, or but but they really were. Um, and not only, not only was Dak awful, 14 of 37 for 128 yards and a pick, but their run game had 26 carries for 64 yards, like 2.4 yards per carry. So they were just they couldn't do anything. Um, look, I'm sure I have a better effort, you know, coming in. Obviously, a big re- or, or, you know a big rematch from week one in this game. And the handicap for me is couple notes here. So first, if Buccaneers center Ryan Jensen can make his way back for this game, it would provide such a massive boost for Tampa. Their run game has been maybe the worst in the entire NFL, and the big reason is because he's been out for the year. He just brings this nastiness and edge. He sets the tone in the run game for them. Obviously got hurt right before the season began. So he's kind of a guy to keep an eye on to maybe come back at some point. And then also, you know, one thing working in Tampa's favor is Tom Brady has the fastest average time to throw in the NFL, about 2.3 seconds. And so if you want to mitigate this ferocious pass rush and make Micah Parsons less effective and Demarcus Lawrence and all these guys, the best way to do it is to just not even let them get to you in the first place. 
and get the ball out super quickly. So that's the MO. It is a good matchup for Tampa. You know, Tom Brady's never lost to the Cowboys, and obviously they've beaten them now two years in a row in week one. Obviously, it's an eternity ago, but I, I lean Tampa in this game, even though I agree with what you said. They are really good. They're not a good football team, but I kind of do just see them pulling one out here again. The other game that I find interesting is you've got Buffalo. Now, they barely beat the Dolphins in Buffalo. That was a 32-29 game. They got beat by the Dolphins down in Miami early on in the season. But can the Dolphins beat Buffalo in Buffalo without Tua? I really don't think so. And it it does look like it is going to be Teddy Bridgewater, um, you know, based on the 10.5-point spread and just kind of the things you're hearing coming out of Miami. I even tried to kind of gauge, just ask a couple people around the league if they'd heard anything, and it was – no one had a clue. Like, no one has any idea where Miami stands. And not from the, you know, the classic trickeration and, and playing mind game standpoint, more from the, you know, really genuinely they just do not know. And so, no, I don't. I, I don't think you can keep up scoring with this Buffalo Bills offense without him. The Dolphins had a couple injuries in the secondary recently. Xavier Howard did come back for the last game of the season, but I don't think he's 100% healthy, and you want a guy like him to be at full go against Stephon Diggs. Obviously, Buffalo is as motivated as any team, you know, in a very long time for a number of different reasons. Um, I I think that one could get ugly. You got the Giants visiting Minnesota. And I I, again, this is a game in which I think Minnesota, with the offensive weaponry they have, they could kill the Giants. They could beat them 42 to 7. But then again, the Giants, they can run the football if they have to. At times, they actually look like a football team. And at times, the Vikings, they either win a one-score game or they get the hell blown out of the building. So I don't know what to make of this game coming into this contest. Yeah, and probably, I think it's the most, well, I guess Bengals-Ravens, but a very recent you know, uh, rematch where these teams played a couple weeks ago, and it was 26-24, I want to say, Minnesota. The Giants were three-and-a-half-point underdogs in that game, and they obviously covered that spread. So it comes out this week at three. I thought it get down to two-and-a-half. I think it's back to three. The big thing for me here, though, is Brian O'Neill, the Vikings' right tackle, probably a top-five right tackle in the NFL, is not going to play in this game. And, and I think it's a massive, massive deal because – Kayvon Thibodeau is starting to look like the guy we thought he was going to be. Had a little bit slow start of the season, was injured in training camp, and so it does happen to guys. But over the last six weeks or so, he's starting to take over games a bit, take over series, and cause a lot of problems. And then also, Kirk Cousins against interior pressure, that's his kryptonite. You know, it's not just about edge guys, but on the interior. And Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams might be the best interior duo or one of the best interior duos in the entire NFL. So I agree. It could be, you know, Justin Jefferson could just come back and, and, and be great and, and be motivated. But you get a Dory Jackson back for the Giants, their number one corner, who's a really good player. I'll tell you, this one's on, on heavy upset alert for me. Uh, you mentioned uh, the Ravens and the Bengals, obviously, coming up on uh, on Saturday, or excuse me, on Sunday night. That's the Sunday night contest. And Lamar Jackson, nobody knows. Nobody knows if he's playing, if he's not playing, if he's upset, if he's not upset. We haven't seen him. We haven't heard from him. His coach is now professing his love for him. We assume he's going to play in this game. You know, I don't know what to make of it, but Cincinnati obviously favored six and a half in this one. And and Joe Burrow in that offense, man, if you're there's there's a couple of up and coming quarterbacks that have already established himself, like Josh Allen, like Patrick Mahomes and such. Joe Burrow's right there with these guys. And as a matter of fact, Joe Burrow has beaten them. So My assumption is I'm leaning towards Cincinnati in this one, but I think Lamar Jackson is kind of the the X factor if his legs are under him. Yeah, you mentioned you know, the up-and-comers. Patrick Mahomes is the oldest quarterback in the AFC playoff picture. How crazy is that? But, uh, wow. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, with Lamar, yeah, like you said, it's so hard to gauge. And even if he is back, hasn't played a snap in, I want to say, five weeks now. It was a PCL injury to his knee. So, you know, if Tom Brady had a knee injury versus, you know, Lamar Jackson, 
very different things. He obviously needs to be mobile. I, I, I'm concerned about this one. I mean, the Ravens do have one of the best interior offensive lines in the NFL, but DJ Reader has been taking over football games for Cincinnati. Trey Hendrickson in the matchup this past week played 20 snaps, had two sacks and four other pressures against Ronnie Stanley. Um, you know, obviously protecting Anthony Brown, you know, a little bit different than protecting Lamar Jackson, but I just think this is a really, really bad matchup for the Ravens even with Lamar, because the one weakness for Cincy is probably their outside cornerback play. They've had some injuries there, and the Ravens have the worst wide receiver crew, you know, group in the NFL. So, you know, Lamar can always change a game, can always break up, break off a couple big runs. Their defense is good in Baltimore. Getting healthy, I think Marcus Peters will be back for this game for them, but I think Cincy wins this one maybe by a couple scores. And Cincinnati, don't forget, they've got, obviously, uh, issues on the offensive line. They, another offensive lineman went down, so they're Lyle Collins went down a couple of weeks ago, and they've got more injuries now, so they're hurting up front, no doubt. Uh, then you got the Saturday games, obviously, Seattle on the road taking on the 49ers. I, I don't see Seattle having really much of a shot in this one. And for whatever reason, Brock Purdy brings some kind of energy that I haven't seen in a long time, short of maybe Tom Brady taking over as a seventh-round draft pick and a rookie going, oh, yeah, by the way, we can win a, we can win a championship. I know. It really is incredible. I mean, five straight starts with two touchdown passes, no interceptions, first quarterback to ever do it. And he looks confident, right? I mean, yes, Kyle Shanahan is clearly, you know, a phenomenal, phenomenal coach and puts his players in position to succeed. But it's not like Brock Purdy is just, you know, checking it down and getting these, you know, miraculous yards after the catch. You know, of course, there's some of that in San Francisco that is their bread and butter. But, yeah, I'm with you. The, th- the thing here for me is the Seattle Seahawks are 25th in EPA per rush allowed. So a very bad run defense. And that's with Jordan Brooks, their former first-round pick off-ball linebacker who played the whole season but now got hurt and will not play in this game. I think San Fran could run for like 300 yards in this game. I think it's going to be a blowout. And then last but not least, the other one on the docket, you got the Chargers and the Jaguars. I I think America's kind of like, you know, if I have to pick a team – I'm kind of pushing for the Jaguars. I'd love to see Doug Peterson get another one. I'd love to see the Jaguars finally kind of be on the rise and be relevant. The Chargers, on the other hand, they're a team that was up and down. Every time I start to pick the Chargers, they let me down. How do you see this one going? Yeah, no, definitely two fun, exciting teams, with, you know, lots to root for. So, obviously, you know, they played all the way back in week three was a blowout by the Jaguars in Los Angeles. But that was when, you know, Herbert had the ribs injury, and they also had a bunch of other injuries around the roster. You get Joey Bosa back for this game, and the Jaguars are without their left tackle, Cam Robinson, so they do have a great fill-in, and Walker Little, a former second-round pick, who's been great you know, the last couple games. But I think the Chargers are going to get this one done. Um, you know, I, I just think the, the thing here for me is the Jaguars actually have a great run defense, top 10 in EPA per rush. They look, they look great against Derrick Henry. Almost every first-down run, it was like one or two yards at best. They really did well. The, the Chargers don't run the ball, though, right? I, I mean, they basically use Austin Eckler, you know, screens and quick outs to him as kind of their run game. And, and I just think if they can be healthy on a defensive line now with Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, if you if they get a lead in any playoff game and you get Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa pinning their ears back and just getting after the quarterback, trying to protect the lead against a team that's throwing, I mean, good luck to those teams. Always good to talk to you, Brad. I appreciate it. Thanks for the breakdown on everything because regardless, I think the Packers, whether Aaron Rodgers comes back or Jordan Love's there, I still think they're going to need another veteran wideout to kind of help uh, help these guys along. So it's going to be an interesting offseason for the Green Bay Packers regardless. Appreciate it, pal. Thank you.
Thanks so much. There you go. Brad Spielberger joining us for a couple of minutes uh, from Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Brad at PFF underscore Brad. You can catch his stuff there. Thanks to him for hanging out with us for a short period of time. Uh, hey, uh, speaking of uh, hanging out with us, uh, a company's been with us a while now called Pindel, P-I-N-D-E-L. Good people, great place to work. And uh, not only is it a great place to work, but during during the pandemic, they actually uh, they had uh, the uh, growth. Uh, when a lot of companies were shutting down, they were growing because of the need for quality machine parts because while we were sitting at home, we were ordering a ton of stuff. And uh, they were uh, they were machining all kinds of parts. So if you're a company looking for a quality company to work with here in the state of Wisconsin, go for it. Go get them. And if you're looking for a career, not a job, but a career, that's our friends at uh, Pindell. Go to P-I-N-D-E-L dot com, P-I-N-D-E-L dot com, Pindell dot com. That is Pindell dot com. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show. We continue on. You know, uh, the other day, it did my heart really good. Uh, there's some good people that uh, sponsor the program, and one of them are uh, Jeff and Alicia Stoll. And uh, Stoley's Hog Alley, uh, I told you, had been renovated. And uh, the best part about it is, was that it not only did it get renovated, it's beautiful. It's stunning the what they did to it. And they added so much space, and they added a second level, and all that kind of stuff. But we went out there. We thought, oh, we'll stop out on, on Saturday night. And go, and I want to support them, and I want to go to go to dinner there. Got there, couldn't get into the place, and that's not a bad thing. Couldn't get into the place. It was beyond. It was like an hour and a half wait just to get in. Couldn't get into the place. So on one hand, I was disappointed because I didn't get a chance to go in and eat and have a beer and all that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, it was like good for them. They waited so long to get that thing done and get it back open. Just so awesome. Um, so anyway, I, uh, I was, uh, I was, I was, I was good. To, I was glad to see that they have bounced back and, uh, reopened and it's, it's so good. So if you're out and about, get there early, but uh, head out to our friends at Stoley's Hog Alley in Summit, Oconomowoc, or hit Stoles All 109. You can continue to support them in that way too. Stoles All 109 up in Watertown, which is a fantastic place with really good food as well. Either place, just absolutely awesome. 877-867-1670. By the way, for those that were wondering, the Rice Lake, Tom Kozer, our guy Tom, who uh, is the magnanimous owner up there of the radio station that we are proudly on, uh, I texted him and he said, uh, "I am do- I, we are going to be up there June 14th and 15th is the Rice Lake Celebrity Golf Outing. June 14th and 15th. Uh, the 14th is the, uh, the day we're going to be doing the show from the club. That night at uh, Tom's Place is the uh, sports or the uh, sponsor dinner with all the celebrities and everything. And then the 15th is the tournament. So June 14th and 15th, the Rice Lake Celebrity Golf Outing will take place. And it'll be at Turtleback, which is a beautiful facility up there in Rice Lake. June 14th and 15th. Put it on your calendar. Mark it down. Get your spots now. All that kind of good stuff. Get a hold of Tom. I know the website's not updated. Somebody up there has to get it updated. But you bet. It's going to be good. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
Uh, let's get to the phone calls. Let's go to our buddy Tony listening to us in Sussex. Tony, how you doing today, man? What's going on? How you doing, Bill? Doing great, pal. Doing um, great. I just got out of a chiropractor appointment, and I heard um, your read on, on Aaron Rodgers. And you, that was beautiful. Um, very well said. One thing, though, and I don't, I'm very adamant about this, is if, if, if they keep Joe Barry, he better start, he better get rid of this passive defense we have, especially this zone, and get, get those um, quarterbacks in people's faces right off the line. And I still want to know why they didn't do that on that last play against Detroit. They should have jammed them right on the line like they did many times in Minnesota, and you saw what result that was. I'd rather mm-hmm. see or, or risk, I should say, uh, a cornerback, you know, Alexander, someone getting beat. I mean, half the time when they throw these long bombs, not too many times. I wonder what the percentage is that they're even completed, and I'd rather take that chance of a, uh, you jamming someone and then they getting, they're getting by you like that. You totally would, you know, they could totally – ruin the timing, you know, throw the timing off. Um, if they would have jammed them at the line, maybe they wouldn't have completed that pass. He wouldn't have nowhere to go. I mean, they should be in the faces of these receivers, you know, their top three receivers, whatever. He doesn't play an aggressive defense. I we, I think we had the players to, to get in the playoffs definitely on defense and maybe go and give San Francisco, you know, a hard time because, or, or whoever we would have played, just because of how, how you play that defense. We have the talent. It wasn't used properly. This passive, you know, let them chip away at you, chip away, get all these yards up the middle where you could drive a Mack truck through, and then they're in field goal range, and then you're trying to hold them for a touchdown, and that's what went on all season. We got chopped up like that, and I can't believe if, if, if LaFleur decides that he wants to keep Joe Barry, um, you know, he's, they got to change. He's got to totally change his philosophy on how he coaches the defense. This, this, that's, that's gone by the wayside as far as I'm concerned now. I, I miss the days where, like, the Lester Hayes and I forget who the other cornerback was for the old Oakland Raiders, man. They'd be in your face every mm-hmm. play, you know. Right. And, and, and that's what the Packers, you know, I, because what they really miss, too, in that middle, I believe, and that they really miss Darius Smith on defense. I think this year, right? And, and yeah. you know, it was a whole new wrinkle, and we got some Clay Walker, some really good aggressive players. But for the type of defense we have, and I believe our linebackers and our linemen are they, they play aggressively. But when you got guys playing so soft, I mean, for what? What? Well, well, you know, it's. I think you get more sacks that way. I mean, instead of him just sitting back there, you know, at this. I don't. I don't. I don't you know, because you're. You know, you're waiting for the if, – if the blocking scheme is good and, and, you know, they can't get to the quarterback, so, well, you jam the receivers, that's going to break down right away too, you know. Yeah, I, th- I thought that the aggressiveness they showed against Minnesota paid off, and I don't know why we didn't see more of that this season. I appreciate the phone call, Tony. Thanks to taking a listen to us. So, uh, by the way, uh, Matt LaFleur has stated that – and we're going to hear from Matt LaFleur coming up, but Matt LaFleur stated there he doesn't anticipate coaching changes. And he was specifically asked about Joe Barry, and he said, "Nope, Joe's not. Joe's not going anywhere." This is what Matt Lafleur had to say when asked specifically. Hey, by the way, Joe Barry is 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 Joe really going to be around? Come on, man. 
the next two weeks, and obviously it's time to make evaluations and it's not finger pointing, it's just part of the process. Will, will Joe Barry be your defensive coordinator next year? That's that's what I anticipate, yes. Um, I would say this, that like I said, we're, we're at the initial stages of all the evaluations, and quite frankly, I don't, I don't really anticipate a whole lot, if any, staff changes at all. I, I do think there's something to the guys that we have in this building. Um, certainly, I think there's a lot of things that all of us can improve upon, most notably myself. Um, but I, I do believe in the people, not only in the locker room, but but our coaching staff. And, um, you know, like I said, are there a lot of things that we got to improve upon? Absolutely. No doubt about it. But I, I would... It's my intention to try to have everybody back, and I think continuity, continuity is a big part of having success in this league. And um, Now, Steve says, well, I don't think he's going to tell everybody that he's getting rid of Joe Barry before Joe Barry's been fired. No, but there's always the, you know, we haven't made any determinations on our coaching staff yet. We're going through the evaluation process. So uh, my assumption is all of our coaches would be back, but we are all going to discuss, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, it's, there's a way of saying we just haven't done that yet. Or there's a way of saying I'm not going to say one way or the other without saying it. So, I, you know, that sounded more emphatic like, yeah, he's going to be back. He's going to be back. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. When we come back, we got power rankings. We got power rankings. To end the season, our final power rankings, the way this all kinds of sh- kind of shakes out, and uh, we'll go through those coming up next. Also, we're going to hear from Matt LaFleur uh, as well. So we got a lot to get to. Stay tuned. Hey, uh, don't forget about our friends at Curly's Waterfront Pub and Grill right there on Pewaukee Lake. Today is Tuesday. It means free darts. Taco Tuesday, all that kind of good stuff. They got a lot of good Mexican fare today. Happy Taco Tuesday, free darts. You got the Lakeview, the happy hour, the enchiladas, the chimichangas, all of that. Nachos, queso burgers, they have it all. Today's special, by the way, prime rib quesadilla. Yeah. That's Curly's Waterfront Pub and Grill right there on Pewaukee Lake. Stop in, tell them we said howdy. More of the Bill Michael Show is next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Our friends at Burn Pit Barbecue wanted to say thank you. They had a hell of a year, and uh, they want a big part of uh, all of you uh, for. First of all, we love our barbecue. <laughs> Secondly, uh, many of you said, you know what? We'll support a locally owned business. We'll support a veteran owned business. They're right here in Racine, Wisconsin. So uh, they wanted to say thanks. BurnPitBBQ.com. And uh, I just uh, got, like I said, I, I got the gift box over the uh, over the uh, the winter right before Christmas. But I got a couple more sauces. And I'm looking forward to it this weekend because I'm going to do the ribs on a stick from our friend at Paul Roberts. But I'm not going to get them sauced. I'm going to do the ribs on a stick and sauce them with some of the guy's stuff from uh, Burn Pit. And I'm going to do some hot sauce. I'm going to do some spicy honey sauce, uh, all kinds of good stuff. They have many, many different types of sauces, rubs, hot sauces, you name it. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm geeked. Going to be doing some stuff from our friends at Burn Pit Barbecue. BurnPitBBQ.com. That is BurnPitBBQ.com. All right. 
Time now for our um, our power rankings. Ben, do we have some music? See if you agree with this. Uh, the worst team in the league is the Bears. They suck. We know the Texans kind of ruined themselves, but I give the Texans credit for getting out of the basement because they fought hard and said we got a lot of pride, and they ended up getting a win, even though it did cost their head coach's job regardless. Uh, you've got uh, the Rams coming in at number tw- uh, 30, uh, the Broncos at 29, the Colts are just above them, Arizona sucks, uh, they got rid of Cliff Kingsbury, their GM gone, big changes, Kyler Murray wanted all the money, whined, moaned, hey, I'm, I'm as valuable as everybody else, no, you, you kind of suck, and you have never in the history of your career in the NFL put an entire season together but they were stupid enough to pay you all that money so may they just kind of roll around in the mud with you for a long period of time there you go they're sitting at 27 number 28 or excuse me number 26 uh the the raiders the oakland raiders or las vegas raiders or wherever they're at today they stink they're a terrible football team they just are falcons coming in at number 25 then you got the browns at number 24 Panthers, number 23. Saints, hanging in there, number 22. Not a bad way to go. I really thought the Jets were going to be better. I thought the Jets were going to end up on a high note. They, How in the world do you just keep mixing and matching quarterbacks? Three different quarterbacks they use this season. You just, you got to, you can't do that. I, I listened to what Kurt Warner had to say on the NFL Network about uh, Sala and the reason they were going with th- three different quarterbacks. And, you know, it just, that was a nightmare. You know, that was a nightmare. Uh, they got to decide what they're going to do with Zach Wilson because he's he's not good. So the Jets coming in at number 21. Uh, I got the uh, the Washington Commanders at number 20. Uh, there were some things, you know, Sam Howe did okay in his first start. But, you know, uh, come on, Carson Wentz, he's, yeah, that's terrible. Uh, you've got number 19, the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill, is he the guy or not? And when he went down and they just didn't play well, their defense, fundamentally, they just kind of got sideways. They end up at 7 and 10. They're sitting at number 19. Then the Patriots at number 18. Um, they got to fix the offense. They, the joke is, and I can't believe Bill Belichick is this, because Bill Belichick is one of the smartest coaches there is, but he's stupid. Matt Patricia is not an offensive coordinator. you got to go find somebody that's really going to help and work with Mac Jones. Just, you just have to. Number 17, Pittsburgh Steelers. Kenny Pickett got better as the season went on. That defense is is viable. Uh, and Mike Tomlin, man, he proved he's a hell of a coach. He's, they're sitting there at 9-8. and eight, And I got them at number 17. Number 16, just above them, which shouldn't be above them, really. But as uh, the, 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 the Packers. I really started bumping the Packers up, and I thought, this is it. This is for real. And no, they're not. They're not. Number 14, or excuse me, number 15, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're number 15. There are teams that are better than them. And teams not in the postseason. I think the Steelers are better than them. I think the Lions are better than them. As a matter of fact, I have the Lions just ahead ahead of them at number 14. Uh, The Seahawks, number 13. Um, The Seahawks have to say thank you to the Detroit Lions, by the way. They got to send them some kind of a fruit basket just for what they did. Rightfully so. Then you get into uh, more teams in the postseason. And uh, I got the Dolphins sitting there at number 12. 
And basically because Tua's not back and you don't know about this quarterback situation, I don't know if Tua's going to play. They haven't really talked about it. We'll find out more tomorrow. But I don't think they can win on the road. I don't think they can win without Tua. Dolphins sitting at number 12. Uh, I got the Giants at number 11. Brian Dable, he's done a fantastic job, but we all knew this was kind of a paper champion to begin with, right? So I've got them sitting at number 11. Number 10, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. Number nine, Doug Peterson and those Jacksonville Jaguars. Like those Jaguars, man. That might be uh, that might be the team to root out of all the teams. Number eight, uh, and a close eight and nine. I almost put the Jacksonville Jaguars up to number eight. I got the Chargers just ahead of them, ten and seven on the season, and it was kind of a, a strange way that everything got locked up, and now, now they got a long road in the postseason, but. Uh, you know, and and now uh, they face a, a long road trip to play uh, the Jaguars, and that the Jaguars blew them out earlier in the season. So the Chargers and the Jaguars sitting right there at eight and nine, number seven, number seven. How about them Cowboys? Cowboys, what the hell? Dak Prescott, he's throwing picks like people give out Pez, man. I got it number, or excuse me, number seven is the Cowboys. Number six is the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are an enigma because they can be an incredibly dominant team or they could just suck swamp water. So I got them sitting at number six. My top five go like this. My top five go like this. Number five, the San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy, he's capable of winning winning games. The whole thing about Brock Purdy winning a Super Bowl, I don't know if I'm going to buy that. Not as of yet. But Kyle Shanahan is a fantastic coach, so I've got them at number five. Number four. Number four. They've fallen off. They're the top seed in the NFC, but Jalen Hurts a little off in his return last week. Whether or not he gets healthier and looks better, the defense, because they've taken some injuries too, they're sitting at number four, Philadelphia Eagles. Number three, Cincinnati. Joe Burrow and the gang, they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. Joe Burrow is a quarterback that has emerged. He's proven himself. What they've done down the stretch has been nothing short of amazing. They did struggle in the second half with with Baltimore, but I think they get the win, and I think they advance. And then sitting there at number two is the team that Cincinnati beat. That is the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Chiefs, they 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 beat the Raiders and blew them out and did the ring around the Rosie, got creative, got kind of crazy. But um now we'll wait and see because it's gonna be it's gonna come down to the Bills, Chiefs, or Bengals out of the AFC. And that's probably gonna be your champion before it's all said and done. Unless the Eagles really kind of put everything back on track and they look like the Eagles did about three, four, five weeks ago. But I got the Chiefs at number two, and then the top spot uh is uh, the Buffalo Bills. And it's not the sentimentality of the Buffalo Bills. It's just they overcame a lot to get ready to play the Patriots. Did a really good job of kind of handling that situation. And it bonded that team. So one, two, three, Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati. And that's the way I have them all panning out. So there you have it. That is the way things ended this season when it came to the power rankings. And the Green Bay Packers end their season via the power rankings sitting at, uh, at number 16. Disappointing season, to say the very least, for the Green Bay Packers. 
Ben, any objections there? And how about your uh, Eagles? I think I'd have the Niners higher. Uh, I, as time goes on and, and more and more good games are put together, like Niners are kind of quarterback proof, right? And Purdy's mm-hmm. showing he could do enough. So we'll see. They have to go on the road in the playoffs, which could change it. But I put them higher. They're dangerous. The Eagles I feel I, really confident in, really. I, yeah. I didn't think they ran any of their normal stuff against New York on Sunday. They just went in like vanilla preseason game plan and mm-hmm. tried to beat. I, I mean, the Giants did not play any of their good players. So I think they were they just needed a win. They tried to keep Hurts healthy. They tried to keep everybody healthy. They did it. So I'm not concerned about how he looked. And frankly, like the team's more healthy and in a better spot than it was when Foles led them to the Super Bowl. So maybe I have a comparison point that's a big an, uh, uh, an anomaly because backup quarterback, backup left mm-hmm. tackle, all that. But I feel good, frankly. And they have a bye. Like I would have them above some of the AFC teams that do have to go on the road to win it. So, okay, I know you're going to be rooting for Philadelphia to get there. Um, you know, I mean, I've got, because a lot of friends still live in Cincinnati, I've got a sentimentality there. But who is our adopted, if, if it would it be the Jaguars? It's the Jaguars, Bill. It's Come the Jaguars. On. Yeah, I think it's the Jaguars. Too There's bad nothing the to in, dislike but, there. There's no Brady. Right. There's no Cowboys. Right. I think the Jaguars are, are going to be the, the team that, you know, we'll kind of hang our hat on. Plus, did so. you see that dude ripping guitar at their game against the Titans on, on Saturday? <laughs> Yes. That's the most Jacksonville thing of all time. It, it was unbelievable. <laughs> yes. We need that on more of a center stage. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's no reason not to like Doug Peterson, and that's a Packers connection as well. Doug Peterson, the former backup uh, quarterback to Aaron, or to uh, Brett Favre for the Green Bay Packers, so we'll go with that. So there you go. That is our power rankings. There you have it. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Lux Golf Bays. They're in Franklin, Wisconsin. They're heated. I mean, especially with the weather being warmer, you got to be getting that itch a little bit to get out and swing the clubs, right? No better place to go. Rent the bay. There's a bar. There's food. All kinds of good stuff. Get some buddies together. Whether it's a Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday or Saturday night, make it a date night. Go have some fun. Go to LuxGolfBays.com. That is LuxGolfBays.com. Located right there at the Rock Complex, Rock Ventures in Franklin. You know where everybody knows where Rock is, if you've ever been to Franklin, Wisconsin. Everybody knows where that's at. Lux Golf Bay is right in there. Man, beautiful facility. Go to Lux, L-U-X-E, LuxGolfBays.com. That is LuxGolfBays.com. More of the Bill Michael Show next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers cleaned out their locker yesterday after losing to the Lions on Sunday night. Rookie linebacker Quay Walker apologized for being ejected from the game in the fourth quarter. Just a selfish act of me. Uh, very, just very uh, stupid and dumb. Uh, I say immature of me. Uh, I seem to overreact at times. And reached out to the trainer. Uh, Earlier today, talked to him for a long time. Continue to apologize and just pray that he forgive me and um, 
Also told him to uh, reach out to the team if he can and to the other trainers as well. Walker explained when Lions running back DeAndre Swift went down with an injury, he went to check on him. They're friends and former teammates at Georgia. When a Lions medical staffer pushed Walker aside, he shoved him back, and that's when he drew the flag. Matt LaFleur. I'll never defend the action, but I'll defend the person. And I think Quay, he feels terrible about it. Rightfully so. I don't think Quay is a malicious person. And several Packers players will become free agents this spring. Tight end Robert Tunyon. I think that's honestly the hardest part is not knowing who you're going to play with next year uh, in terms of like just the reality of an NFL locker room. Just people come and go, I mean, daily, to be honest with you. And then, of course, after the season, you just never know. Um, so that's kind of why you can't take things for granted and people for granted because you never know when you're going to play with them again or see them or you know, talk to them and feel their energy. So, um, yeah, that's probably the hardest part. That's Packers tight end Robert Tunyon. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. Coming up tomorrow night, 6 to 8, we're on the road. We're going to be the Thirsty Duck. Going to be the Thirsty Duck tomorrow night, 6 to 8, out in Sussex. So come on by and say hi. Thirsty Duck tomorrow night, 6 to 8 in Sussex. And it's been a, it's it's actually been a couple of names. That, that same place has been a different couple of different names, but it's been the Thirsty Duck for a while now. So it's going to be going back. It's going to be going back, so we're going to be there tomorrow night for the Bill Michaels Huddle. we got uh, three or four of them left, as a matter of fact. But the Huddle tomorrow night coming up at the Thirsty Duck in Sussex. And uh, looking forward to it. Should be a, should be a good show. Yeah, we've got uh, a few huddles left. We've got the Thirsty Duck, uh, which is coming up tomorrow night. Next week, we're going to be in Franklin. Speaking of Franklin being down by the Rock, we're going to be at uh, the Root River Center, which should be a fun one, uh, as we get into the postseason. Uh, Wednesday, January 25th, we're going to be at the New Berlin Alehouse. New Berlin Alehouse, which is awesome. And then our last one of the season, Wednesday, February 1st, we're going to be at Fox's Pub and Grill uh, right off of 76th Street uh, down in the Greenfield area. We're going to be there, and that's our final one. And then two days later, Mike Clemens and I, Kristen, Erica, our staff, we all jet our way out to Arizona, and we start to bring you live coverage of the Super Bowl. So we will be out there for full Super Bowl coverage coming up again, which is going to be wild because the house is out there. It's crazy because you have uh, – you know what's going on out there, Ben, right? The Waste Management Phoenix Open. Hey, oh, yes. You got it. I, and where, I can do a where full we, preview that week if you want. Where we stay – I know. You should be coming with us. Remember, well, we talked about that last year. We did and talk I told about Randy, I, I, we, we got to get you out there. We should have you on the ground with us, but you can't be because – Ebo decided to take off, and Ebo's got something going on. I don't know what Ebo's doing. He's an eclectic human being, man, but he's taking off. And that would leave Nelson to do two shows, produce, write, recite, script, everything. And it would be crazy. But, uh, yeah, with the Waste Management... Because we are staying literally three miles away from the Waste Management Open. All right, we got another hour yet to go. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michaels Show brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. Coming up next.